0: Welcome to the Atmosphere Church Podcast. On behalf of all of us here at Atmosphere, thank you for downloading or streaming this message. We pray that it will touch your heart and change your life. Regardless of what you believe, where you come from, or what questions you might have, you are welcome here. Our desire is to help lead you in experiencing God by following Jesus. If you want to find out more information about us, head over to our website at atmosphere.church. We have already prayed for you that today's message would speak directly to your heart and empower you to live the life that God has called you to live. Enjoy the message.
1: It is Christmas season. We are in a Christmas series talk uh, called I'll Be Home for Christmas. It is that classic Bing Crosby song that we sing every year at Christmas time. And typically, we see images of soldiers coming home from deployment or college students returning from their first semester of college or families going and visiting grandma and grandpa's house. But this year, when you say I'll be home for Christmas, Let's be honest, it feels a little bit more like a house arrest. It feels like, it's more like, I'll be home for Christmas. We're not going anywhere, doing anything because of the craziness that is happening in the world. This is a Christmas unlike any other before. And so we, we want to address issues that are in the homes of most of our homes and and most of our families are dealing with. And we talked the first week about strains in relationships. Last week, we talked about the struggles with loneliness. And today, we're going to focus in on the sorrow about the future. Because one of the things, one of the biggest things I should say, COVID seems to have destroyed is hope. There's a lot of plans that people had in 2020 that just completely were devastated. I mean, how weird was it that we were doing drive-by graduations for these poor students that have worked so hard to graduate high school and college and not being able to walk across the the stage like most people were able to. So we're doing drive-bys. Weddings canceled. One of the reasons we have this venue on Sundays is because all the weddings that were scheduled out here, and this is a very popular wedding venue, all got postponed to 2021. Uh we we did our first 2020 wedding uh ceremony with with Haley and Anthony. They got married last weekend and it was it was fun and and but it was fun, it was weird at the same time and and I hate to sound like you know we're we're complaining but you know they obviously like Haley Anthony had these big grand plans they're gonna have a big ceremony all their family and friends and instead they're getting married on the side of a cliff and mind you it's Santa Barbara so it's beautiful but here they are just with me and a few other of their their close friends and and that's it and, you know, with 30 mile an hour winds smashing us in the face and, and my Bible's going everywhere, I'm like, this is 2020 all the way. So, hey, great memory that Anthony and Haley can always have for the rest of their life. But, but nothing that we seem to have planned out that we were going to do for 2020 really came to being. I mean, there were hopes and dreams that we had as a church moving into our third year that we had to kind of pull back and say, well, maybe we'll do that another time in the future. I'm sure if I were to interview you, there were things that you plan to do, places that you plan to go that all of a sudden got shelved because of everything that's going on. So with that, when, when you see so many plans being undone, it creates a an emotion of disappointment that really can bleed into every area of your life. And it it can leave you with this angst, like nothing that I want or desire or hope for seems like it's ever going to come true. It's ever going to happen. And so you can really go into this Debbie Downer mode, this, this hopeless hairy mode where it's just like, I'm just like, like there. You know, I talk about like Winnie the Pooh a lot, like Tigger, like, you know, and then you got Eeyore who's on the other side of the spectrum where he's like, you know, I think a little bit of Eeyore has kind of found its way into all of us. And so today I want to speak into that space some of you can feel the tension in your homes with everybody with things not working the way they should and we want to talk about that because one of the things that i've learned about covid it is an equal opportunity virus it doesn't matter if you're famous or a nobody, if you have a lot of money or no money, it doesn't matter. It has impacted all of our lives. And typically today, Christmas Sunday, we would do the typical Christmas story passage, which is in Luke chapter 2. But since this is not a typical Christmas, we're gonna go to Luke chapter 15. We're gonna we're gonna cover a passage of scripture that you may have never connected to the Christmas story. Luke chapter 15, if you have your Bibles. Now, I understand the screens are sometimes hard to see. And if you are new to Atmosphere, we have a a little section on the Version Bible app where you can follow along on our notes. It's so cool. So you go to the Version Bible app and look and do a search for Atmosphere Church, and it should pull up the notes from today's talk. But we're going to be in Luke chapter 15, and let me pray this. Father, I thank you for the opportunity that we have to gather in your name. We love the ability to be online, but God, nothing beats in person with brothers and sisters gathering in your name. So Father, we know that you're here with us. Let your presence be known and felt among us. I pray that you would give us listening ears to hear what you want to speak into our life. And we thank you in advance for how you're going to do that. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. Now, as you're looking at Luke chapter 15, let me tell you, Jesus had the most amazing ability to give simple stories to download profound truths. And in Luke chapter 15, you will find one of the greatest stories, if not the greatest story that Jesus ever told. Now, many of you would probably, that have been to church, would probably know the story as the prodigal son. Uh, Other Bibles uh, that you have, it may have a subtitle that says the parable of the lost son. But in Luke 15, you see a collection of stories where Jesus is talking about things that are lost and little background he's talking to a mixed group of people he's talking to a bunch of people that are unchurched that are far from god that have this miracle working man and he seems to be saying some things that are just hitting them in the heart so he's got a following uh, of these really rough people but the religious people the church going people of jesus's time were also following Jesus. And they were kind of skeptical about him because he attracted what we would probably call the misfits or the rejects. And they were just all around. And so they were kind of feeling this tension going, man, this rabbi, this, this guy that's having these disciples around him, he he's attracting this really motley crew. And, and we don't know if we're really comfortable uh, about this. And and so Jesus, knowing the heart of these men and, and the thoughts of their minds he starts giving these stories about things that are lost and I don't know if you've ever lost something but if you've ever lost something and then went on a hunt for it and then you found it it's a pretty good feeling right I had this football that was given to me by some members of our Vegas church years ago and it was a special football because it was signed by the 2008 Oklahoma Sooner football team. Had a Heisman uh, uh, trophy winner signature on there. All these guys that went in the NFL. I mean, I love the Oklahoma Sooner. So it, it was like a present unlike I've ever received before. I mean, I put it in the you know the case, the plastic case. I put it there at my house and I put a light on it. It's just like, oh. You know, it's just, I love this thing. Well, when we moved, I could not find it. And it was, I mean, I looked everywhere for this thing. And I even told my my kids, my wife, I'm like, have you seen this? They're like, no. And I'm looking through boxes. I can't find it. Looking all over in the garage. Like, maybe I just misplaced it. And then, you know, of course, your thoughts turn dark, right? And so, you know, I had some buddies that helped me move. And so I immediately started thinking, going, one of them took my football. But why would they do that? You know, I'm their friend. And all of these thoughts. Well, when we're unpacking, when we moved here, I look into this box marked something like miscellaneous or whatever. And I'm like, well, we got to, you know, put this box away, I open it up. And there was the football in the case and all. And I was like feeling really bad. I was accusing my friends. But then I was like, oh, wow. Like I, I ran into the house. I was like, Tara, I found it. It was the most exhilarating feeling because I found something that I thought was completely Lost. And so Jesus is really pulling these people in by telling these groups of stories. He mentions a shepherd who leaves the 99 to go find the lost sheep and brings it back and parties down because they found the lost sheep. He talks about a woman who has these coins, but she loses one, searches her whole house, finds the coin and rejoices over it. And then he gets to the grand finale story, the one that we are going to cover this morning, the prodigal son, the lost son. And what separates this from the other stories is it's frustrating to lose something. It's terrifying to lose someone. And if you're a parent and you've ever been somewhere where your little one kind of takes you know, a, a right turn around where you can't see them. I don't know if that's ever happened to you where you had a moment of terror where you, you thought you knew where your kid was and then your kid wasn't there. I've had a couple of those moments, but one that I will never forget. We were at a department store and we were shopping and what we do really well. Uh, I believe my wife has been gifted by the Holy Spirit with the gift of shopping. Uh, she's really good at it, by the way. So we're shopping and we're browsing and I get distracted, I'm looking down and Josiah's probably two, two and a half, three, I don't know, but he's got his sisters and they're all kind of playing. And, And so we just look down for a second, I look up and I see the girls and I don't see Joe and like, I'm just like, oh, like, cause that's like my role, you know, as we go out shopping, Tara hunts for the clothes and I keep an eye on the kids and I'm looking and I'm like, I just completely failed. I lost our son and I'm looking around and right before that moment of just freak out happens and, and uh, you can ask my family, I, there's a freak out mode in your pastor that doesn't come out very often anymore, but it, I felt it, it was almost there and then Josiah just leaps out from this rack of shirts, just like, Ta-da! and like, you know, I'm like, oh, I'm so relieved, but I'm so angry at the same time. This is kind of the difference of, of losing something and losing someone. So, so Jesus has their attention and let's jump into verse 11 and Jesus continued. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. At this point, the religious guys around Jesus are losing their minds that he's telling a story involving pigs. Then he says, he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. And when he came to his senses, if you have your Bibles open, you might want to write or underline that. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he's kind of writing down a prepared speech that he's going to give. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him. And was filled with compassion for him, and he ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven, and against you I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet, bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. I mean, this father was so excited to have his son back. He, he told the, the people around him, call the cater, book the band, get the steaks out of the freezer, throw them on the barbecue. We are going to party because our son who was lost is now found. The son who is dead is now alive again. Now, this is kind of where I want to just pause and talk about this idea of prodigal. Because I think in our culture... The term prodigal is this universal term that we use to talk about somebody that's kind of went off the rails. It's a term that we use to describe somebody that has just kind of basically blown up their life, yeah. You know, we talk about, uh, oh, you know, the Smith family, all oh, their son, like, oh, he's the prodigal one. You know, he went out there and just kind of messed up his life. Or, oh, you know, Sarah, you know, she's the prodigal one. She, she's kind of got herself in trouble now, and, and they haven't seen her for months. We, we kind of use the term prodigal to describe this dysfunctionalism, this messed up person that just is squandering their life away, when in reality, check this out, the word prodigal, you can Google this later if you want. The word prodigal actually means extravagant or lavish. And I want to highlight this. Because even though our subtitles over that chapter, maybe say prodigal son, the Bible is the inspired word of God. But you know the, the subtitles and the verses, they came a lot later than when these letters were written. They did that more for us to kind of be able to track. And even though I believe a lot of subtitles are very anointed, I I think most Bible makers got it wrong by calling this story the prodigal son. And even though there was some extravagancy and lavishness in the son's life and how he squandered it, and just to kind of give you a little backstory in first century Palestine, is when a son would ask for an inheritance, he was basically cutting ties with the family, and, and basically saying, you guys are dead to me. I'm going to go over here and we're never pretty much going to have a relationship for the rest of our lives. That's what that meant. So the dad would give the, the inheritance and the son would leave and that would be pretty much the rest of his life. And so with this in mind, this idea of prodigal, when the son comes back and humbles himself out and comes back, the father had every right to be there to say, uh-uh, you had your chance. You blew it, so get lost. Go away. You, you, you severed the tie of our relationship. We don't want anything to do with you. But instead, the father shows this extravagant, lavish grace by instead of like being at the front door to say, I told you so, he runs out the front door and he meets the son halfway down the driveway and he greets him with a hug and a kiss and he says, we are going to party because you are back in the family. It really should be called the prodigal father. And in this story, what Jesus is giving us, and it goes on and talks about the older son, we could, just because of time, we don't have time to cover that part. And and there's a lot to be said on that. But I want to focus on this idea of the extravagant, lavish father. Because what Jesus is doing in this story is he's letting us in on the heart of our heavenly father. And how he looks at us and how he's, he's wanting for us to return home. And I, and I want to just highlight this idea of what what the father does, just how extravagant he is. In verse 22, it says this. He says, but the father said to the servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Oh, we could do a deep dive in this. But a robe back then was a big deal. This is not just a covering. This is a way you would honor somebody. We see that that uh, Israel Jacob honored his his son Joseph with the coat of many colors. To be given the best robe would be a sign of honor and covering. And more than likely, he probably didn't have a lot of clothes to come back with, so it was a way to kind of comfort him and, and bring him warmth again. And then the ring. You know, we carry driver's licenses. We carry, you know, different forms of identification. They really didn't have it. a ring gave a person ID. There was a little signet on there. You seal envelopes with that. That was the family emblem. That, that meant that you belong to the family. If you wanted to get in somewhere, hey, I, I, I'm with the Jones family. I'm with the Smith family. I've got a ring. That tells me that I belong. It's a sign of identity. And then the sandals. This was a sign of sonship. A servant, when he would go and hire himself out, one of the first things that they would do, the person that would hire you, is take your shoes so you couldn't run off very very quickly. So the father gives him shoes back to say, hey, I don't have to worry about you running away because your family. You are a part of who we are. You're no longer a stranger, a runaway. You're no longer this son that was lost. You're a part of the family. Now, as I think about Christmas 2020, I I think you guys, we we have to take a really good look at what's happening. Because in a way, we're kind of all at the pig farm right now. Everything that we were banking on has been stripped away from us. Our education on, you know, in-person learning, Um, our jobs, a lot of jobs are in jeopardy right now our health is in question so many uncertainties and it just feels like everything that we thought we were in control of has been stripped down to where there's really nothing that we're in control of so in a way there's a lot of similarities between the son's condition and our condition right now and I want to help you connect the dots here And then going even a little bit further, Christmas is a time that we celebrate the birth of the Savior, and we're here to celebrate the birth of the Savior. But have you ever thought about how messy the Christmas story is? Just think about it for a second. Jesus comes and is born to an unwed teenage girl. Like she's the original teen mom. I mean, this is this is how God chooses to introduce the Messiah to the world through an unwed teenage girl. Then he's born in a barn. And then shepherds come like the the most ragtag bunch of of people, the the lowest in the the whole workforce is invited as the VIPs to the Christmas story. And then Jesus' childhood, he grows up in Nazareth that's why one of the disciples says like can anything good come from Nazareth like come on it'd be I don't know it'd be equivalent to like saying Jesus was born in Barstow like really forgive me if you're from Barstow but it's like really like like God would choose Barstow to like raise his son so it's just it's a messy story but we we have all this glamour around the you know the nativity scene it looks all just sanitary, sanitary and lovely and everyone just looks so calm and peaceful and really it was a real messy situation very much like the son in the story of the prodigal father and what the son learns in the story, and what I want you to learn today. My friend, hope is not dead. This year has revealed that we have put our hope in wrong things. Hope is far from dead. Christmas is a time to celebrate that when Jesus was born, real hope was born real hope came to this world. And what we get to celebrate at Christmas is a God that is willing to step out of heaven into a manger in Bethlehem, mess and all, to make a statement saying, I'm not going to wait for you all to come to me and be at the front door after you've messed up your whole life and say, I told you so. I told you this is all going to happen. No, we have a heavenly father that has made a proclamation through the Christmas story. Is that I'm not a God that is waiting at the front door to give you a big I told you so. I'm a God that's running out the front door and running down the driveway to wrap my arms around you and give you a big old fat kiss and say my son was lost, my daughter was lost but now they're found. We are going to celebrate and we are going to partake. That's the God that we serve, church. And that's the real Christmas story. And that's why we need to preach Luke 15 on a non-typical Christmas year. 1 Peter 1, verse 3. Celebrate with praises. This is the Passion Translation. I love this, this translation. Celebrate with praises, the God and Father with our Lord Jesus Christ, who has shown us his extravagant mercy. There it is. For his fountain of mercy has given us a new life. We are reborn to experience a living, energetic hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Hope is not lost, my friend. It's simply out of this world. It's not found in this world. I mean, think about what this year has brought to us. there's, There's been some pretty big names that have left us this year. I mean, we started the year off, think about this, right down the road, Kobe Bryant. And his, and his daughter Gianna and seven other people died in a helicopter crash. It just, it, it happened on a Sunday. Jade and I were, were in Vegas, and my wife says, you can see everyone's phone going off. It just like, it just devastated everybody. It's like the most unexpected thing. And, and then as the year progressed, like, it was in August. Like, we, we found out the Black Panther died. Chadwick Boseman, he, who played the Black Panther, And and as a great actor, we we found out uh, most people didn't know he had colon cancer and he passed away. And see, I have an advantage of you guys in in a way because of my role as a pastor is I officiate a lot of funerals. And and so I, I have an ability to see that no matter how much hand sanitizer you use in life, you cannot prevent the inevitable from happening. Stanford University just released this this week according to a new study published, one out of every one person dies. <laughs> they, they really did do that, but I just wanted to make it sound official. you what a great Christmas message this is. <laughs> but but why, do, why am I giving this information to you? Because this world can lull us to sleep with all of the distractions around, but God has gotten our attention in this COVID season that this world is not our home that God is preparing a place for us that is beyond this world. And he wants us to put our hope in that and not our hope here. So my friends, hope is not dead. Hope is very much alive and he is found only in the son, Jesus Christ. John chapter 14, verses one through three. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. So Jesus in John chapter 14 is giving them a heads up. You guys are going to experience trouble, but I'm going ahead of you so that your place may be prepared for you. So, so don't be too troubled. When, when you see things not working out in your life, don't, don't be too troubled by that because there is a life to come that is the real life. And all of this other stuff that we're dealing with, it, it really is just the pre-show to the real experience that God wants us to give us. And really, Christmas is an invitation to come home. Think about it. I'll be home for Christmas. The prodigal father is here today. No matter how messed up your life is, no matter how much it looks like a pig farm, he is running down the driveway using me this morning to say I love you I want you home and he's got a robe to cover you a ring to give you that new identity that you are his beloved and sandals on your feet to say you belong to me, you're a child of God. I end with the scripture in 1 Peter 1:13. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Set your hope fully on that grace My friends, hope is not dead. Hope is very much alive. And I want Christmas to be an invitation to all of us to receive a hope reset. This message today is an invitation for you and for me to acknowledge maybe 2020 has been a a year of revelation, that we've misplaced our hope. Maybe we are already a child of God. We're wearing the robe, we've got the ring, we have the sandals on, but for some reason we got distracted by all of the things in this world. And now in this season of COVID, it's like things have been brought back to realize that the real only hope that this world has to offer is Jesus. And he's here and he wants to reset your hope that he's preparing a place for you in heaven. But here's the takeaway. I want you to understand that that the story of the prodigal father is the father running down the driveway after the son has already made a decision that he's gonna turn and he's coming home. That God is here to meet you halfway But you, my friend, have to make a decision to turn and to come home. To make that decision to say, you know what? I'm tired of the mess that I'm living in. And let me tell you, God's not intimidated by your mess. He's not intimidated by it. Look how he he was born into it. He's ready for your mess. He's here to tell you, you talk about mess. Let me tell you how my life started. He's here to meet you in your mess. But you have to make that decision yourself. Nobody else can make that decision for you to say, you know what? I'm ready to come home. We just bow your heads and close your eyes and just pray this prayer? Lord, as we are closing our time together, God, my heart, my desire, Lord, is to let your spirit breathe hope back into some hopeless people today. God, this has been a very revealing season for many of us. We put our hope in money. We put our hope in all of these things that just haven't worked out. God, today we receive a hope reset that only true hope is found in a relationship with you and you stepped out of heaven and came to this earth like the prodigal father stepped out of his home and came down the driveway to meet us and I pray God that some people here would make a decision today to turn from their mess leave the pig farm that they've been living at and to come home and embrace the love that extravagant lavish love that you're ready to give us and while everyone is praying maybe evaluating how God is resetting your hope to what's really important There's some of you that are far from God today. You're just like those people that were listening in to Jesus telling the story. And maybe you're just so surprised, like, are you kidding me? Like, God would receive me? Doesn't he realize what I've done? Doesn't he realize the decisions that I've made? And the answer is yes. And he's running down the driveway anyway. because he's ready to embrace your mess and turn it around and welcome you home to a life you couldn't possibly fathom or imagine could be possible. It is because my friends, we're checking out eventually. This world's gonna be done with us. Eventually, it's gonna happen. It's not gonna happen possibly like it did for Kobe or Chadwick but, but your day is coming that nobody gets out of here alive no matter how much hand sanitizer and physical distancing you do we're not, we're not making out and this is God using me today to tell you he loves you he died for you and you have unsurpassable worth and he wants to welcome you home Will you make a turn and will you embrace the extravagant, lavish love of the prodigal father in your life today? And if you want to make that decision, then I I want you to be so courageous right now. I don't want to embarrass you, but if you're ready to make that decision to turn to the love that God has offered you and to put your hope completely in him. And if that's you and you're ready to make that decision, I want to pray a simple prayer over you and with you. But right where you're sitting, would you pop your hand up and say, Pastor, I'm ready to make that decision. I know that's what I need to do. I feel so lost right now. I, I feel just like that, son. I feel like, man, this life has been so revealing to me. Praise God, bro. Praise God, man. I felt God was doing something on you, dude, when you walked in. I saw it. Like today was your day, bro. I don't know how who invited you, but God knew you were coming and God drew you here for this moment right now. Anyone else? Just get your hand up. Father, we thank you, God, for the work of Jesus and that the Christmas story is also the Easter story that Jesus, you came to this earth and you gave your life as a ransom for many. That whosoever believes in you would not perish but have an everlasting life. God, I thank you for my brother for making this decision. Pray that he would receive the Holy Spirit as he surrenders his life to you and he runs to meet you and come home today. God, if there's people here that are already following you, Jesus, may you put a desire in us to take that hope that you've been putting in us God and get that hope out of us to a world that desperately needs to feel it in Jesus name amen and amen let's stand to our feet we're gonna we're gonna sing this song and it's interesting that there's a lyric in this song it's a Christmas traditional song it says the thrill of hope my prayer for you is that regardless of where you were before you came in here, when you leave this place, that thrill of hope will be back in your life. And let me tell those of you that are already following Jesus, you have real, extravagant hope. So share it with somebody. Be God's hope dealers this week, all right? Let's get that hope out there because this world needs more hope. And the only hope
0: it can have that's lasting is the hope found in Christless worship. Thank you for tuning in today to another great message from Atmosphere Church. If this message has spoken to your heart, would you take a moment and share it with your friends? You can connect with us on Spotify, iTunes Podcast, YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. Simply do a search for Atmosphere Church through these various platforms, and then click the follow or subscribe buttons. It's another great way for us to be able to stay connected with you. If you live in the Southern California area, we would love to invite you to be a part of our family. For more information about our church, go to our official website at atmosphere.church. Finally, if this service and our other resources bless you, would you consider giving back to Atmosphere Church to support not just these things, but to also support the creation of even more resources for you? To make a donation, simply go to our website and click the link that says GIVE. Your gift of any amount is greatly appreciated. Until next time, we pray you will keep the faith, spread the hope, and live the love.